Excuse me for a second. This really is eyes on success with hosts Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. I am Samantha filling in for Nancy and Peter today since they both have laryngitis and can't talk. They should recover soon. But in the meantime, let's get on with the show. This was constantly you know, learning how to search the internet and read articles about you know the topic that I was writing my book about. And it was, you know, emailing back and forth and it was learning Word and you know how to navigate and edit and do spell check and all the things that I would need just running a life in general, but also spending four to six hours to distract me. And then also I needed that sense of accomplishment. I needed to know that I could achieve something, you know, that I have value and I have things that I can contribute. On today's show, we'll be talking about writing a novel as therapy. Some people write for fun or because it is a job. Others have a story they want to share. When Aaron Spelker suddenly lost his sight, he found writing to be both therapeutic as well as a good activity for learning important blindness skills. Hosts Nancy and Peter will talk with Aaron about how writing the bubonic reorder helped him navigate in a new world. But first, for our tip of the week, this week's tip comes from Aaron Spelker's personal experience. Things went a lot smoother for me when I embraced my situation and I accepted I am blind. And so what are the resources available to me? What, how do I manage and navigate in this life as opposed to, you know, really hanging on to something that, you know, just isn't going to be there anymore. Uh, if you can really embrace it, there are technology, there are, there are uh, things that help you become more independent. There is a community of other blind people who have taught me so much over the course of the last three years and, and helped make my life a lot easier uh, than if I had been sheltered and just been trying to do it on my own. You know, so I really encourage you to you know, embrace it and you know, take advantage of the resources and the tools that are available to you because it'll just make your life a lot easier. And hopefully anybody who's listening to this show has already embraced their blindness and at least knows some places to go for help and advice and adaptive technology and other aids. Yeah, no, information is power. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by APHConnectCenter.org, empowering people toward independence and success by providing blogs, information, and resources for individuals of all ages who are blind or visually impaired. Information and referral line are at 1-800-232-5463. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting Aaron. Hi, I'm Aaron Spelker. I am a 40-year-old male who uh, recently went blind three years ago. And you were sighted your entire life. Can you tell us a little bit about how you went blind suddenly? Yeah, I was a fully sighted individual. Um, I was actually experienced a freak accident on a vacation. I was in Cancun on my 20-year wedding anniversary with my wife, and we went down to the Cancun beach to you know check out the ocean, and a big gust of wind blew sand up into my eyes, and all the sand um, you know, cut and caused abrasions on my corneas, and also introduced a very um, strong uh, bacteria into my eyes, which caused a massive infection that... Um, Took about three and a half weeks that I was in the hospital um, where they tried to fight off the infection. 
And uh, after the three and a half weeks, they did manage to tap down the infection. But uh, by then, the infection and all the medicines uh, to fight the infection had uh, made it so that all I can see is a little bit of light perception. So I, you know, I, I can see where a light is in a room or a window in a room. I can sense where the light's from, but that's all I can see now. And I understand that professionally, you were involved in some sort of financial services? Yeah, I was a, a co-owner of a financial services firm where we helped companies set up their retirement plans, their you know, pension plans, 401k plans, 403b plans, and worked with the employees about helping them strategize and save for their retirement. You said was. Are you no longer? Yeah, I, you know, when I went blind, you know, I really didn't know how, you know, the process of recovery would be and how long it would take me to get on my feet. And, you know, I, for my clients who are, you know, these are, you know, saving for their retirement. I and mean, these are really important things. I thought the right thing to do would be sell my stake in the company to my partner and, um, you know, let him be, you know, fully in charge of the day to day so that he could do right by the client. So I, I sold out my share of the business and I really you know, decided to concentrate on, you know, figuring out what is life after losing your sight, because uh, it's a very different uh, world to engage with uh, when you have vision versus when you don't. In a separate episode, we talked about your love of gaming and how you've been able to continue doing that in spite of losing your vision. Yeah, I started a um, group called Mobile Accessible Games, which is all about finding and reviewing uh, games that are accessible for blind and visually impaired people, because it's really just a mere fraction of games that have some form of accessibility, and they're really hard and difficult to find. And I decided since I was struggling so hard finding a list of games that I could play after I lost my sight that I would, you know, curate that list and make it available for the blind and visually impaired community, you know, in one one spot where they could find, you know, all these accessible games that they could play over a wide variety of genres. Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill. Learn more by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is how writing his novel The Bubonic Reorder helped Aaron Spelker transition to his new blindness and to gain skills he now needs. Well, Aaron, your journey is a very interesting one. I almost consider myself lucky sometimes that I've been blind essentially since birth because I would think that if you've been used to seeing your entire life and then suddenly lose your sight, it's very difficult because you're used to relying on your sight and doing things that way. Can you talk a little bit about how that transition went for you and how you made it through that? Yeah, it's very interesting. And as I talk to people who've been fully blind versus people who've lost their sight, uh, you know, particularly suddenly uh, later in life, we kind of face different things. Uh, again, I have, you know, a foot that is still in a vision world where I think about things from a vision standpoint, or I think about how I used to do things when I could see, you know, it, before, if I wanted to go to the CVS in my town, you know, that's a jump of my car, drive down there, pick up what I need back in 10 minutes. And now it's an ordeal of arranging an accessibility ride and having someone help me, you know, 
navigate the store or you know get Ira on the phone uh, to get a, a, someone to you know help me uh, navigate that store and then wait around for a ride to, to get home again and suddenly you know this 10 minute thing is an hour and a half ordeal uh, to pick up you know whatever I need at that CBS and it's a frustration because I know how it should be or how it was for me before I went blind. So there's a lot of, you know, frustration around everything's a little bit harder and a little bit slower when you don't have vision. And also there's a a sense of there's a little bit more or a little less, I should say, independence and a little bit more reliance on other people to help you do things that you used to, you know, be able to do fully on your own. How did you get introduced to some of the resources and services that are available to people who are blind? Because I understand you took those up pretty quickly. You know JAWS, you use a screen reader. That was also one of the interesting struggles. Uh, you know, I think the whole infrastructure and resource of blind support, I think is really geared towards people who have been blind all their life. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, schooling and resources and, you know, employment things that are geared around, um, you know, people from, you know, who have been blind all their life. Uh, I really kind of struggled of finding those resources um, to start, you know, where do I go? How do I deal with this? Um, I actually got lucky in that I had a insurance policy out of myself and it was actually the insurance agent or customer service person who said, all right, well, where, what state do you live in? You know, here are some resources, you know, call these people up to help, help you get started. And so, you know, it was through my insurance company that I first heard about some of the, the services. I live in Massachusetts and there is a facility called the Carroll Center for the Blind who does blind rehabilitation uh, for people who have lost their sight and, you know, teaches them. Uh, They have kind of a long program, like you live there for six months and they teach you everything about living as a blind person. I have a young family, so I really couldn't step away for six months. So I went there about four months after losing my sight uh, for a two-week intensive uh, training on the computer, you know, how to use JAWS, how to use Word and you know, surf the internet and, you know, answer my emails. So um, that's how I kind of got started. And then um, just uh, last fall, I did a kind of a seven week uh, more intensive course. And the probably the best thing about that course was I was in a room of a lot of accomplished blind people who, you know, they taught me a lot of things about just daily living life. And that's actually when I first heard about Ira and they said, Oh, just call up Ira. And I said, what's Ira? I don't know what that is. And they explained to me the service of Ira of calling an agent who can look through your camera and help describe to you what you're engaging with or, you know, where the bathroom is or whatever the case may be. So I learned a lot from a lot of other blind people. You know, it's interesting that you say you learned about some of these services and resources from your insurance agent. It's been one of my pet peeves that ophthalmologists don't routinely recommend these same services and resources that they really ought to know about. They just treat your eye condition and they don't talk about how to lead your daily life and how to do the things you want to do in general. Yeah, it seems as easy as a pamphlet, you know, here you go, you know, here's the blind pamphlet, you know, here's all the resources and all the contact numbers. So you said you use a screen reader and Ira, do you use a cane or a guide dog or what other assistive devices do you make use of? My first two years or so, I was a cane user uh, in April of 2021. I got a guide dog. So he's been with me for, you know, 14, 15 months now. Uh, So that's been a really great experience and and has really ramped up my own mobility and independence. Luckily, I live um, an easy walk to the center of the town I live in, which has pretty much all the things that you need. Um, So I really can be 
you know, pretty independent and, and live a life of, uh, you know, running all my own errands and not, you know, asking my wife to drive me here or there and, and help me out. You know, I, I try to really work hard on only asking for help if there's really no opportunity for me to be able to accomplish it on my own. So you mentioned you have a young family. Um, Pete's been blind essentially since birth. So when our kids were born, he was already blind and they never knew any different. How old were your kids when you lost your sight? Um, my daughter was 11-ish and my son was about 14 when I lost my sight three years ago. How was the adaptation for them? I mean, it's very different having a blind father from a sighted father. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We, me and my wife question this a lot. I mean, they, they seem like they have gone with the flow of it. I mean, me and my wife really tried to not make it a big deal as much as we could. Um, and, you know, just, all right, this is the cards I have. How do I deal with those cards and, and move forward um, and, you know, be productive as a, you know, a member of society as much as I can. I feel like we've done our best I can to, minimize the impact on them again a big help was i happened to have a big insurance policy on myself so from a standpoint of you know financially it wasn't like you know anything changed from a financial standpoint for our family i think that made things you know pretty easy because we you know we as parents weren't worried about that piece of the equation we really could just concentrate on the blindness of living in a blind world so you know we feel like they're doing well but uh, you know I, I think it's kind of you don't really know what might be under the surface. So, uh, you know, we, we, from time to time, make sure that they, you know, talk to people and get some counseling and just to be sure that they're okay. Cause that, you know, that's one of the worries of, you know, how much is it really impacting them, but we try our best to make it as easy going as possible and, you know, not, uh, you know, be all around eggshells on daddy, you know, and worry about daddy, you know, I, I still do all my chores and take out the garbage and empty and fill the dishwasher and do all the things that I was doing before. I just have to do them a little differently now. So it sounds like you went through this very difficult transition very quickly because of the way it happened and also very successfully and picked up on a lot of these tools and made a lot of changes in your life. And we mostly talked about sort of picking up the mechanics of being blind in terms of accessibility tools and interacting with other people, how to get everything done throughout the day. But there also had to be a large emotional change and how to deal with that. And I understand that in the process of making this transition, you were writing a book and you found that to be very therapeutic in helping you get over this change. Can you talk about the book, first of all, and then how that helped you make this transition? So the book that I took the time to write um, is called The Bubonic Reorder. It's kind of a story about a global pandemic that spreads in the year 2020. Let me step back just a little bit. Again, emotionally, um, it was a pretty devastating thing. Um, you know, I walked out of that hospital and I realized, uh, you know, wait, I'm blind. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be blind. There's really nothing to solve that problem. And, you know, the first couple months, uh, I was, you know, just emotionally wrecked. I mean, really kind of not usually a person who wallows in, uh, you know, in something that's gone wrong, but you know, that this was a hard one to bounce back from. And, as I said, I got hooked up with the Mass Commission for the Blind and before my training class that I was going to go to, where I said I did that two-week um, crash course, they sent out an individual to my house to load JAWS onto my computer and, and prep of that class. And, uh, you know, I let the guy into my house and into my office and I could tell, you know, just from context clues that, you know, he was visually impaired in some way. 
and you know he got on my computer and he started having jaws talk to him and you know he loaded all the software up on my computer and got it all set up and you know, was there for like an hour you know downloading things from the internet and setting up profiles and you know setting all those settings on jaws and at the end i i turned to him and i said well you know look tell that you're visually impaired do you mind me asking you know how much sight do you have to be able to do all the things that you're doing and he said i'm totally blind i've been blind since birth and that was really kind of a, a kickstarter for me of you know I'm sitting here, I'm really upset, I'm wallowing about all these things that I can't do anymore. And here's a guy who has a professional career, he's great at the computer, you know, better at a computer than I ever was as a sighted person. And, you know, there is a life to live here. And why am I sitting on the couch not living that life? And that was kind of the start of well, what am I going to do? And he had loaded uh, JAWS onto my computer and he had shown me how to, uh, you know, surf the internet and how to, you know, operate Word in my email. And I decided that there had been a book idea that I had been considering that I thought up of uh, about five years earlier and had done a little bit of work on researching and you know, making some outlines. But I said, I'm, I'm going to dedicate myself to writing this book. Um, so I decided to sit down and you know actually start writing that book, which I spent the entire rest of 2019, which is the year I went blind, you know, writing the book and finishing the book and at the end of uh, December of 2019. What's interesting about that process is it's not only providing a distraction for you to get through this process while you're going through it, but it's also an opportunity to be using the tools that you're trying to learn and really learn them well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I'm one of those learners by doing and, you know, consistently using. If I did it for a week and then didn't touch it for two months, then I would totally forget how did I do that. So this was constantly using, you know, learning how to search the internet and read articles about, you know, the topic that I was writing my book about. And it was, you know, emailing back and forth and it was learning Word and, you know, how to navigate and edit and do spell check and all the things that I would need just running a life in general, but also spending four to six hours to distract me. And then also, I don't think I realized it at the, it at the time, but I realized it, you know, kind of after I was done with the book was I needed that sense of accomplishment. I needed to know that I could achieve something, you know, that I have value and I have things that I can contribute. And this book is not about being blind since the concept was conceived before you went blind, but the topic is very timely. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it's called the bubonic reorder, which is named after the bubonic plague. So the book, which I thought of the, the concept back in 2014, happens to be about a global SARS pandemic that strikes the world and goes out of control in the year 2020. And as I said, I finished that book at the, in December of 2019, so a few months before COVID-19 occurred. So um, did you feel guilty when it came true? <laughs> I, it's really scary because a lot of the things I write in the book happened almost exactly how COVID-19 happened. And I don't put that as much as, you know, like I'm some Nostradamus, but I spent five years reading a lot of research and, you know, all the white papers and scientific papers and things I, I was reading about modern, you know, pandemic spreads and how they would occur uh, really described it exactly how COVID-19 happened. The big thing uh, and, and kind of a lot of the premise of the book is you're not going to have a virus, a modern day virus spread like an old time virus where it would spread, you know, village to village, you know, town to town. And how you would deal with it is you would isolate and quarantine. And that's how you would get through 
uh, until the pandemic burnt itself out. But in a modern pandemic, when we can be halfway across the globe in 12 hours, if a virus spikes like that, it's going to spread instantaneously around the world in you know all these multiple different pockets, and it's going to be impossible to quarantine it and isolate it uh, from spreading. So once it starts, it's going to quickly and rapidly grow out of control. And that's you know basically all the research papers that I was reading. It was kind of explaining not if a pandemic happens, but when it happens, this is how it's going to happen. Um, so you know, COVID-19 was not, and, and particularly how it occurred, was not a big surprise to me. I mean, kind of a surprise that it happened three months after I wrote the story, but not a surprise that it, it would happen. And we have all had the dubious pleasure of experiencing this pandemic. Yeah, my uh, kids kind of joke that, uh, you know, the next book I write, I, you know, I got to write in that we win the lottery and like lots of good <laughs> things happen to us. <laughs> I'm guessing that you did a lot of research for this book. And the research you did was by using some of your newly acquired skills with a screen reader and other assistive devices. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I learned, you know, JAWS, um, learned how to, um, you know, navigate websites and use, you know, headings and, you know, all that sort of thing and how to, you know, make JAWS, you know, just continually read a story to me. You know, I learned the struggles of, you know, stories that were downloaded as PDFs and then you find out the PDF is not accessible. So, you know, there are some frustrations that I learned about as I was navigating of things that are still not accessible uh, to the blind and visually impaired. But it, it really was a great tool set to, you know, if you can learn how to research a paper for, you know, all this scientific stuff, you, you know, you can learn how to read the latest news or the latest book review of a story. You know, you, it kind of, it's very easily transferable skills. So, uh, you know, again, that four to six hours a day I was spending writing this book, it was also teaching me how to just live in a blind world naturally when I wasn't writing the book as well. I'm impressed that you seem to have picked up using these tools effectively so quickly, were you kind of a techie guy by nature or was it just because the amount of time you were spending with the tools that made it work? Um, a little bit of both. I was a person who would pick up a new software for, you know, pretty easily and get pretty proficient at it. But I also had a lot of time like for the phone, learning voiceover and the gestures on the phone. I was in a room for three and a half weeks the medicine that they gave me, that had give me topical eye drops to fight off this bacteria, they had to give it to me every hour. So I never slept more than 59 minutes at a time for three and a half weeks. Oof. So I was up, you know, many, 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 many hours and bored out of my skull. And I said, well, I know there's voiceover. I had actually um, heard about voiceover from commuting one time on the train. I sat next to a blind person who was using voiceover and I just happened to get in a conversation with him about, you know, how does that work? And, you know, he was kind of showing me stuff. So I, I just kind of knew from the back of my brain from that experience, maybe, you know, 10 years ago that voiceover existed. So I figured out how to turn on voiceover, you know, had a nurse help me figure out how to turn it on. And then I was just three and a half weeks, just flicking with the phone and tapping and gesturing until I figured out how to you know, answer emails and how, how to watch movies on Netflix. And, you know, just had all the time in the world to just play with it uh, basically 24 hours a day for three and a half weeks uh, until I learned it. So necessity, uh, as well as a little, a little bit of tech sense and time allowed me to become pretty proficient pretty quickly. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to put in the time to learn a new tool and have a little patience. Yeah. There's funny things too, that I think about, like, I can't tell you 
tell you the amount of work that I get done now when my wife's asleep in bed next to me and I'm still like watching a movie or answering emails because, you know, I don't need to actually look at it. I'm just listening to it uh, in my headset. Uh, you know, I get a lot more work done during that time. Um, podcasts, like I can't believe I ever listened to a podcast on normal speed. Like now I listen to it <laughs> at two, two times speed and I get through <laughs> twice as many podcasts as I normally would have got to. So there's, there's a couple of advantages that I was like, well, I wish I didn't go blind to know about these things. I wish I had just known about, you know, just put it on two times speed. You'll get through everything a lot faster. And then there's funny things too. Like when me and my wife will watch movies and I'll have a headset on so I can listen to the audio description and she'll just be, you know, listening to it regular off a TV. And she like doesn't know characters' names. Like, cause they're always telling me, you know, Jake, you know, picked up the, the bottle and you know, put it in the refrigerator. And she's like, what's this guy's name? I was like, oh, that's Jake. And she's like, how do you know this? I'm like, oh, well, they constantly tell me, you know, this is Jake. That's, you know, Jim, you know, they constantly are announcing their names. So I know all the characters' names. Uh, there's often where our audio description will point something out that is, you know, important to the plot device that you know if you didn't catch it visually you might not realize that that was something important so i'll tell her about some clues that i, I think this is going to be important because audio description is telling me about it so there's some advantages that come with the technology and the things that i'm using now than you know just doing vision only along those same lines i think of nancy using an iphone or a computer and there are all these pictorial icons on there that sometimes she has no idea what they are but when you're using a screen reader or voiceover, those all have text labels associated with them. So I always tell them what they are. Yeah, or at least you hope they do, right? Right. Writing this book seemed like a very positive experience for you, both in terms of distracting you while you're going through the blindness transition and learning some new tools. Are you considering writing another book? There is a story that I'm contemplating about the characters in this book. You know, they kind of end at a certain spot and there is... A potential story to tell after that. Uh, so I'm kind of kicking around whether to do that or just let it be where it is, you know, let, let that story just end where it is. It may have served its purpose. <laughs> right. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to get the bubonic reorder and how to contact its author. Aaron Spelker. Well, Aaron, remind us again about the name of the book and tell us where people can get the book. The name of the book is The Bubonic Reorder, uh, which is named after the bubonic plague. And you can find it out on Amazon, um, you know, both ebook and paper book, uh, Barnes & Noble, uh, I believe, uh, paper book and ebook on there as well. And I donated the book to Bookshare. So if you have a Bookshare account, you can feel free to just download it for free and enjoy. Uh, I also have for just news and content uh, and updates about the book, I have a Facebook page called The Bubonic Reorder, and you can find out you know, news, uh, whether it be about you know sales that are happening on the book or an interview that has occurred about the book. You know, all kind of news about the book is posted to that Facebook page. You mentioned during the introduction, and we did another entire episode about accessible gaming. Can you tell people about how they would find all of that? 
Yeah, the main source of information is a Facebook group called Mobile Accessible Gaming. Um, I'm very involved in that group, uh, you know, on it hours a day, uh, fielding questions. And so anybody who wants to reach out to me can feel free to, you know, post to the group and or, or reach out on Facebook Messenger uh, directly to me. And uh, I'd be happy to uh, to answer any questions that they have. I also have a Twitter account also called Mobile Accessible Games, where people can hear news about accessible gaming and then I interview game developers and accessibility influencers on my YouTube channel, uh, which is just my name, Aaron Spelker, uh, which is A-A-R-O-N-S as in Sam, P as in Peter, E-L-K-E-R. As always, if you missed any of the links or phone numbers, they're all in the show notes, which you can find at our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for show number 2244. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about the Waymap Navigation System. The Waymap app was designed to assist visually impaired people navigate transportation systems in cities around the world. The app is accurate down to one meter both indoors and outdoors. We'll talk with CEO Tom P. about the motivation for developing the app, how it works, and their plans to expand its use. It's been fun joining you this week, but Nancy and Peter are hoping to regain their voices in time to host next week's episode. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.